was the question. Uh, they said, Steve, we do this thing now where we throw up a question. <laughs> and we want them to talk about it. So what needs to happen for your life to be considered a success? All right? So right now, I want you to just think about what that means. Right? What, what does it mean to you at the end of your life for it to be worthy of being called a success story? And I would venture to say most of us have not put a label on it, um, but we live like it's true. Because where does disappointment come from? Where does I'm not measuring up come from? Where does uh, I'm not where I should be at right now? Where does that come from? Uh, and, and, and all of these other drives right now uh, that, that we have in our life, where do those things come from? They come from somewhere. They come from some outcome that we want to have. And when, when it comes to our lives uh, and, and our purpose and our direction, and as, as we unpack this whole core value, we all operate off of a set of values, uh, but this core value that says, I'm going to pursue excellence. I think we have to stop and pause because for most of us, that sounds like something that is performance-based, right? Sounds like something that is achievement-oriented, and so I'm going to pursue this, this excellence, but um, what, what I would uh, contend is that we all have established what our view of excellence is, uh, and, and it looks different for most of us, but what we have to do is we have to start with the end in mind because life, you guys, is not a sprint, is it? It's a marathon. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. Um, they feel, it feels like a sprint, doesn't it? Oftentimes, you feel like you're sprinting. They're like, there's, like, uh, I feel like I was sprinting all day. Um, but, but they, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually better described as a marathon. And I was thinking about this um, when I was unpacking this topic, and, and I was just like, going, what, what are the distinctives uh, between a sprint and a marathon. And when I say a marathon, I'm not talking about a two-mile run. I'm talking about a 26.2-mile run. So what are the differences between a sprint and a marathon? What are the differences? The marathon takes longer. Okay. Yeah, that's for sure. What else? You have to pace yourself. In a sprint, are you thinking about pacing yourself? Like, No. <laughs> You're like, finish line, go, right? As fast as you can, and you're trying to beat everybody else. What else? What are some other distinctives? You gotta train differently. Yes, yes, you do. You will pay for it if you don't. What else? You have to fuel. One of the things about a marathon is it, when you're training for one, it changes how you define food. You start to call food fuel. <laughs> That's when you know you're training for a marathon. It's like, I need fuel, you know, and you start eating and, uh, and all that. Uh, what else? You're like, there is nothing else. Um, one of the things, I, I wrote down some thoughts. There's, with a marathon, there's a distant finish line that you can't see but you're taking every step, every stride with it in your view. Versus a sprint where it's very clear, it's right in front of me, potentially it's only 100 yards away, everybody's standing there, it's the quickest person there. But when you think about a marathon, 
how I run throughout this race without being able to see the finish line, I'm still running with that ending at the forefront of my mind, aren't I? So every stride, every step, even though I can't see the finish line, I'm running uh, with the end in mind. I'm running with that thought of crossing. I'm running thinking about how I'm gonna cross. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm evaluating every part of how I'm running, how I'm, how I'm fueling myself. All of these things are based, how I'm pacing myself. All of these things are based upon this distant, and it's distant, ending that I can't see, and yet it's at the forefront of my mind. Another huge emphasis that, that you have to be very uh, careful with and, and have to make a priority in a long distance race is you need to run your own race, okay? So, um, and, and, <laughs> and I, I have experience doing this because I've ran a couple marathons and, uh, and every single time I run when I fall into this trap, like every time. Um, and, the, and the less people that are in the race, the more of a temptation it is. Uh, because you start uh, finding other people that maybe have a little faster pace or a similar pace, and, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna run with them. I'm gonna run at their pace. And you start to run like they do, um, and what happens is it takes you out of what you've been training for. It takes you out of the discipline. Uh, the, it takes you out of the rhythm that you've established you need to have in order to succeed in that whatever time it is that you wanna finish at. And so you have to be very careful in a long distance race, whereas a sprint, you're just going, right? But in a, in a long distance race, there is much more of a temptation to start looking around and, and evaluating yourself. And, and then you see other people and you're like, all right, I'm gonna run with you. And I remember my first marathon, I did that. The problem was I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know if they were in shape or not. I just were like, it was like, oh, you have, you have a great pace. And, and I'll never forget like this one, this one dude I'm running with and I'm like so excited about it. I'm like, this guy's gonna help me. We're gonna hit this number together. And he just stopped. Like he just stopped. Like he just quit and walked off the course. And I, I didn't know who he was. I was so mad at him. I was like, you just ruined us. Whatever we could have been, it's over. Like, it's done. I mean, I was so mad at him. And uh, like the rest of the race, I was just like, he just, he messed everything up for me, you know? And, and, and it's kind of funny, right? Like, uh, but, but that happens. Um, we think of long distance races. You have to uh, discipline in your preparation for the race. And then you have to uh, show discipline during the race and if you do those things, there are some likely predictable outcomes, aren't there? If I discipline myself in the training and then discipline myself during the race, there are predictable outcomes. And so when we say pursue excellence, it has a desired ending in our mind and that ending defines how I live and respond today. And so I want to start with the end in mind, <laughs> um, because many of us have a different desired ending, and I want to give clarity to how the Bible itself speaks to this. 
And so when, when we look at the Christian life, I think that that's something that, that just stands out. The Christian life is not a sprint. Uh, but it's a, it's a marathon that for, for us that have like gone, man, I am, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to go all in with this. We, we find out really quickly that I can't just sprint my way through this. Like it's a marathon. And, and I have to run it with, with endurance. I have to run it with endurance towards this goal. And what is the goal? Well, uh, scripture uh, helps us out there because we're not good at establishing our own goals, are we? In Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews 12, one and two, this is what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Sin is anything that is contradictory to the will of God. Uh, and, and, and let's throw that off, which clings to us so closely, it says, and then it uses this whole running, right? It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, and this is huge. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Like, we're surrounded by all these, all these other people. Let us lay aside all these things that are weighing us down, right? Uh, if you're gonna run a long distance thing, you pay attention to the weight that you have on your body. Like, even like when I buy shoes, I'm looking at the weight of the shoes for the race. Like, like everything. You're paying attention to all of those things, right? And, and so, and so what, what he's saying here is, is if I'm going to run the race that I'm called to run, which isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, uh, this, this spiritual life, I'm going to engage in it and run towards it. Um, I'm going to have to lay aside, I'm going to have to identify those things that are in the way of me accomplishing whatever this excellent is, and then it tells us what it is, doesn't it? It, it, it says, uh, looking to Jesus, the, pound, the, found, the, pounder, the, found, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? And, and then it tells us what he did, and how he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So I'm to run this race. I'm to uh, get and remove the things in my life that are hindering my ability to run it, and then my posture is to be looking to the founder and the perfecter of my faith, which is Jesus. And we see similar language in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, where it says, uh, Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So if I'm going to pursue excellence from a Christian context, is that a status? Is that um, a numeric, numerical value thing? Is it a, is it a position? Uh, is, uh, you, you know, what is it saying it is? Like, like what it's telling me is the goal, the finish line, the purpose the motivation is all tied together and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And what that does for me is it turns upside down my whole view of pursuing excellence, doesn't it? 
Because for me, when I think of pursuing excellence, I think of specific outcomes, usually there's a numerical value given to them, that measures whether something is successful or not, and, 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 and what we do with that is we quantify it as, as potentially a position, as potentially the influence we have, um, uh, you know, a, a dollar amount, all of these things we say and we take and we hijack what the Bible says and go, well, this is actually excellence for me. This is success for my life. This is fulfillment. And the Bible turns that mindset upside down and says, no, it's actually excellence is, is Christ. That's excellence. So he's who I'm thinking about daily. That's excellence. He's the one I cling to during the difficulties, uh, when I feel like quitting, when I don't think I have enough, when the pain just seems to be too much to bear, or the temptation to give in is just too strong, or when I just feel lost, when I don't have direction, uh, when I'm confused, um, when I'm just discouraged about my future or what appears to be a lack of a future, I am called to look to him, and it, and it talks about the example that he set for me, and then the saving work that he accomplished on my behalf. And so I am called to actually look up to that and focus on that, and, and my pursuit has everything to do with him, and it's no longer about all of these other outcomes that everybody's gonna tell me that's what success is for you, or that's what excellence, or that's the arrival. Because what we see um, that, that scripture tells us is it labels this purposeful pursuit that we're to have. Uh, and this purposeful pursuit is defined in scripture as abiding in Christ. It's called abiding in Christ. In John 15, uh, nine through 11, uh, this is what it says. It says, as the father has loved me, this is Jesus talking, so I have loved you. He says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you. Ooh, this is so good. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Wow. Guys, at the end of the day, isn't, isn't that what you want? Like, isn't that what you want? More than anything, you want the fulfillment of just pure joy. That's what you want. Um, I've experienced different kinds of success in my life. And I've also experienced what I believe is just pure joy in different moments as well. And you guys, I'll tell you right now, joy is way better than any success that you could ever arrive at or achieve. The world's success always comes with it a not enough feeling. It's always a not enough, right? Um, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you don't care, I don't care, but they won. And immediately, it was the quarterback for the Chiefs saying, three would be legendary. They've won two in a row, right? Two in a row, which is insane, okay? And immediately, three would be legendary. Right, like so. There's immediately another thing I have to conquer. You guys, 
Jesus is saying to us, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, his joy is perfect, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Uh, He's saying that is a byproduct of abiding in me. And so when I think about pursuing excellence, what's happened through studying scripture is it's totally taken the weight and the expectation of an arrival off the table. And it's told me this, my goal, my job is to acknowledge that it's not a sprint, it is a marathon, and it's gonna be very difficult, it's gonna be very challenging, but at the end of the day, my calling is, is not to an arrival, now I'm a pastor, so this arrival point is a pastor, um, arrival point of influence, arrival point of knowledge, no, my job is to focus on who Christ is and his finished work on my behalf, and then my calling, what the pursuit of excellence is, is to abide in him moment by moment, day by day. That's excellence. And he says, if you do that, your joy, regardless of what happens in your marathon, regardless, your joy is going to be full. It's going to be full. And and what I love about this, when he's talking about his kind of joy, his kind of joy is a fruit of the spirit kind of joy. His joy operates outside of my circumstances, right? It it operates outside of my story being labeled a success or failure. It operates outside of my relationship status. It operates outside of the title I have or the income I have or I don't have, right? He is promising here that your joy can be full as a result of abiding in him. Now, um, I'll tell you right now, to abide in his love, it means two things, really. And they have to go hand in hand. Uh, Too often we separate them, but that's just not even a biblical thing. We're doing that, okay? So uh, when when it comes to abiding, there's two things that have to be in place. One is my proximity to Christ. Now, when I say proximity to Christ, that's your closeness to Christ, okay? So if I'm gonna abide in him, it means I am making a commitment to be close to him, right? Um, You know, it's kind of like if I got up here and just said, oh my goodness, I haven't seen my wife in a week, but we are so close. Like, we don't sleep in the same room and that, but like, we are so close, right? You'd be like, no, you're not, okay? So um, when 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 we talk about abiding in him, proximity is a part of that, right? So there's a closeness that I am committed to walking with him. Um, And then secondly, there is an obedience piece to this. So I'm walking in close proximity, proximity to him and I am living in obedience to what he's calling me and telling me to do. And so those are the characteristics of abiding. And so if I abide in him, He says, my joy is gonna be in you and it's gonna be full and taken within the context of John 15, that chapter, this whole chapter is about uh, this fruit that comes out of a branch that's a byproduct of abiding in him. And so what he's talking here, once again, is Jesus turning upside down this whole performance-based religion thing that, that the Pharisees and everybody else were operating off of. And he's like, no, the, the byproduct is this fruit. And what is this fruit? What is the spiritual fruit it talks about? Well, well we learn about it. Like uh, the Bible talks about this in, in Galatians 5. It's, it's, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these things things are, are, are the things that come out of the fruit that he produces in my life. Those are all things we all want, 
right? Regardless of what happens in your life, those are things that you want, you desperately want. And, and so he says, these are all um, byproducts of that. That is excellence. The fruit of the Spirit being demonstrated and displayed and, um, and coming out of my life, that is excellence. Like, that's excellence. And, and, and so... Scripture continues to speak to that. that. That's the ending that we all want. But what this does is it speaks to two things. And the first thing is this. There is this right now and not yet reality that we live with. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, we're not yet, if, we're, if I'm a Jesus follower, if I've asked him into my heart uh, to be my Lord and my Savior, there is this uh, reality that I'm not yet with him in heaven, Correct? So there's this not yet reality that I'm, man, I'm not there yet. I want to be, but I'm not. But because of his already completed work on the cross for you and for me, there's a right now reality that I get to live with, isn't there? There's a right now reality uh, that because of that finished work, I can live with purpose uh, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can experience uh, growth and the outpouring of his fruit in my life today. So there is this not yet, but right now reality that I get to live with every day. Uh, Secondly is we want to run the race with excellence because we want to experience all that God, God desires to do in us and through us. If, if, if my desire is to just agree with this and just to go out, well, We'll just see what happens, you know, whatever. You know, it's cool. I mean, Steve seems super passionate about it, but I don't get it. Look, I'm just going to do it, you know? And I'll just like nonchalantly engage in this. Um, that's kind of what you're going to get. I, you know, and to go back to the marathon, I'll tell you what, if you sign up for a marathon, you better take that thing serious. You're going to get out of it what you put into it, <laughs> right? And I think that one of the things that, I find too often is we just like make this little deal with God through this prayer. And really the expectation is you're now going to deliver on all these things that Steve just said, but I'm going to engage with you on my terms, casually. And, and he's like, no, <laughs> that doesn't work, right? The first and the greatest command is the ultimate invitation. And it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the invitation. It's the second fold is then now you're gonna love your neighbor as yourself. But first and foremost, he invites you to love him with every part of who you are, you guys. And, and if that's true, if I do that, that's where this word excellence comes into play, right? I want to love him in an excellent way way because I want to experience all that he wants to do in my life and through my life. That's the commitment. When I talk about pursue excellence, that's what I'm desiring. I'm talking about every day through abiding. I want to go after God's best for my life, uh, for my marriage, uh, for for my kids, uh, as a neighbor, as an employee, as a friend. Uh, Man, and I'm not a very good friend, so I need to work on that one. That one's standing out at me right now. As a family member, as a student, that means I'm pursuing those things with excellence because God's called me into it and it gives me an opportunity to abide in him through it, 
regardless of what it is. And so one of the prayers that has happened uh, over me getting like my, this view of excellence turned upside down because I was always very driven to achieve certain things. But one of the things that started to happen was I started praying less uh, about the future and I started to pray more uh, for the immediate. That's what happened. And it's been the coolest thing. Like, so it's no longer, God, I pray that when this opportunity comes, and it needs to happen, God, or when this moment arrives, uh, or, or when that happens, I pray that I'm ready for it, and God, um, I, I pray that we do this and this and this with that, and I'm so excited about that, God, uh, and, and it's gonna be so, you know, and, and so focused, future focused in my prayer, and, and now what's happened is, is literally, I go to the Lord, and I'm like, God, uh, by the authority of Scripture, um, I just want to pursue your best for me right now in this moment. That's it. That's it. So whatever you want to do with the next five minutes, 10 minutes, this day, I'm praying that I will walk through abiding in Christ in a way that submits my will to you right now. And, and so what happens, you guys, is instead of this arrival-based relationship with him, I'm actually, my view of excellence, my actual view of the ending is, is now, I just wanna stand before the Lord going, man, I, 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 I tried to do everything I could to just please you and walk with you and abide in you. That's it. Like, that's it. And what that does is it just takes the weight of all of these un, unrealistic expectations that I've just placed and layered over myself and it just removes them because that's no longer what's driving my moments, my days. It's now just, man, I just wanna abide in you. God, I'm speaking at college tonight. I just wanna abide in you right now and you're gonna tell me what to say. God, I'm gonna go to my son's practice and they're not very good and I'm not gonna like it, but God, you're gonna be there in that and, and there's purpose. And so God, I pray that I wouldn't look beyond it, but I would engage in abiding in you as I'm standing there, not wanting to stand there and talking to these kids that I don't wanna to talk to, I'm gonna abide in you. Like I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. And, and what I love by the authority of scripture is he moves and he operates in that. And then all of a sudden you start to experience joy in things that you hadn't seen before. And what you actually start to do is engage with the actual life that is in front of you right now that God has called you into right now. And you start to live in a way that demonstrates that excellence is a right now thing. And, and even though there's this not yet reality, it's because of that ending that's guaranteed that we know that we do get to live differently in the present because he's won, like he's already won. And so the race has already been won. So it's just dumb sometimes when we're like, oh, there's just this like finish line. Paul is not talking about performance. Like, like Paul, like we have the advantage of looking back. I, I think of Paul, the, the dude that wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, he's sitting in a prison cell, probably going, God, really? I'm talented. I bring something to the table and you've sidelined me again? I mean, imagine he shipwrecked swimming. Thanks, God. Here we are again, waiting. You know, like, and here we are. We're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life this next term. Oh my gosh, God, where are you? Like, and he's like, stop, just abide in me. 
Abide in me. Experience this joy right now that, that, and, and live with me in this moment because I want to do something in this moment with you. And it's going to be excellent if you'll abide in me. And so you guys, that's what's happened, I, I know for me, and it just comes from this, uh, embracing this reality that, that man, if I live in this present moment like that, I start to take hold of this reality that, that, that I am, I'm called to be salt, I'm called to be light, I'm called to bring something to the table in the relationships that I'm in right now, not future, but right now. I'm, I'm, I've literally been, uh, by receiving him as my Lord and Savior, I've been born again, I've been given eternal life, I've been adopted into a new family, I've been given a new name. Uh, My very purpose and my very definition of excellence uh, has literally been transformed. It's been taken and transformed. My whole life has been taken and it's completely been transformed because I never wanted to be a pastor, like ever. And so he just transformed every part of my life. And he brought joy into spaces that I never thought. I never wanted to have kids. I didn't. And Man, those are like three of the greatest joys ever for me. And I'm amazed at them. Not always. A lot of the time. And, and, and God does that, you guys. And, and I just reflect, as, as Paul kind of, as Paul like nears the end of his life in Acts 20, 24, this is what he says. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know what I love about this is Paul saying that for him to, to pursue excellence, to finish this well, he's saying that it's to, it's to finish the ministry with excellence, this ministry that he received. And so what we see here is there is a stewardship component with pursuing excellence. There's a stewardship component. And here's what I love about this. Um, What I love about this is it means that every single person in this room has been gifted by God for something. Like you're not just like, we'll we'll, uh, we'll let you in. But if you receive him as your Lord and Savior and he's called you into that, he is going to gift you with, with these gifts, these spiritual gifts to be used by him. And... And so part of this walk is to steward those gifts well. In other words, I want to find out what they are and I want to use them, right? That's part of pursuing excellence. We, we read in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very, very grace. 1 Corinthians 4.2, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful, right? And so pursuing excellence, you guys, one of the things I want to highlight, uh, because we're so into what each other are doing and comparing ourselves, uh, is <laughs> stop doing that. That's the first thing I want to say. Stop doing that because someone else has a different gifting than you and a different journey than you, and you have no business comparing yours to theirs. Like, you have no business. Um, they do this, like, track thing for kids at Hayward during the summer and their races. And you can sign up and throw your kids in them. So I was like, oh, this will be cool. Let's go do this. We'll go laugh, you know? And, 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 and they line up and, and everything. And so all three of my boys, they're lined up in this thing, and they're going to race. And um, all three of them got destroyed. Like, and I, I was like, come on, man. And, but here's what happened with all three of them. They'd never ran in a race 
that had defined lines and they had never ran in a race against other people. So what, what was so hilarious is they're running and all of a sudden, like if you're running in a race, how many of you ran in a race with other people? Okay, some of you, yeah. Some of you are like, no, nah, I don't do that. But um, anyway, but when you run and, and you have a lane, one, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a lane that I have to run in. And then you're afraid that you can't do it, which is weird. Um, and then second, there's these people next to you. And, and what are you, you're concerned about beating them. Well, my kids had never experienced that. So here's what they started doing. Like as they're running and then they're like out of their lane and then, oh my, there's people over there. And then like, and so it was just like, they could not focus on the end. And it was like, I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, that's the Christian life right there. It's, it's, it's literally that. Like we, get, we just get so focused on everybody else and where they're at and how far ahead they are or behind they are. And we're comparing ourselves to these people that we have no business comparing ourselves to because God has given us different giftings in them, a different calling than them. And, and, and what excellence is gonna look like is abiding in Christ. It's not this, this, this thing that, oh, well, they did that, so I should do it. Like, no, you have your own specific and special journey. The author, the perfecter of your life, the greatest storyteller has a, your story in mind, and he says, abide in me. That's it. Abide in me. Look to me. Focus on me. Stop looking to your left and to your right and look up and let that be enough. And guys, if you will do that, um, you'll experience that joy. You'll experience the fruit of the spirit in your life. And, and I just wanna say this, because of the, the whole stewardship component, we, we, it's a privilege to be able to give him my best. It really is. Because he gave me his best in Jesus. You know? Um, and, and so I just wanna encourage you guys with this because I think the other thing that what I love about, you know, Paul using the running analogy is when you think about where you're at in your relationship with God, Oftentimes we go, well, I'm not really doing anything, but I believe in it. The problem with that when it comes to this analogy of running is you're either running or you're not, right? Like there's no way, like you're either in the race or you're not. Like there's no like, I'm hanging out. Like, no, you're either running or you're dropping out. And you guys, sometimes we've got to evaluate, am I, I say I am, am I actually abiding in Christ? And it's weird how we go, well, if I'm not, that's okay. Well, no, I'm either doing it or I'm not. And so I want you to wrestle with that. What is your view of excellence, success, and are you even walking with him right now? And if you're not, let's go to the Lord right now. Let's ask what's going on, what's happening, and whatever he's inviting you to give up, whatever he's inviting you into, let's respond to that, okay? Let me pray for us.